Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. And rainbows have nothing to hide. So we've been told, and some choose to believe it. I know they're wrong, wait and see. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Hello everybody and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and with me as always is the one and only Matthew Marchetti. Matt, you still picking your toes in Poughkeepsie? <laughs> Um, uh, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> Do you pick your toes up with Skipsy? <laughs> <laughs> no idea what that means. No idea. Nope. Nope. <laughs> but it's it's meant to, it's meant to uh, throw you throw you off the game. How are you doing this week, sir? I am uh, pretty. Uh, I'm I'm fabulous. And also, I guess it's sort of a mixed bag. I've been having a good. I've had some good news and some bad news. Um, you know, some sort of universal movie news that we'll get to and. I'm just positive news. So the good news end. I uh, finally got to, I was just telling you briefly uh, just a couple minutes ago, I finally got to see Baby Driver. I loved it. I'll have a review up hopefully either tonight or tomorrow. Excellent. Look forward to it. Yeah, it was, it was just, it was great. But I'll get into that in my review. Um, I also finally got my first official chapter done for my master's thesis, which has to do with, with uh, horror films and family. And I, I got a nice write-up for my advisor. So I'm feeling much more confident about it. So that's... That's the good news. That uh, is the good news. And I suppose segueing into the universal bad news, because hmm. we are talking about horror, yep. we sadly did lose one of the great ones this yeah. past this past weekend. George A. Romero, director of Night of the Living Dead, the entire Dead series, creator of the modern zombie, uh, passed away at uh, the age of 77, I believe it was. Uh I was never much of a horror guy. I think that's more you. How did that? How did that hit you? How does that do? Uh, I mean, when we get into the sort of the second passing, you you realize how sort of young seventy seven can be, um, particularly, you know, for someone who, who who lived his life fairly clean, except for a uh, just an expanse of smoking cigarettes constantly. <laughs> um, he was like a chain smoker, and he didn't actually, I think, contract. Or not contract, but you know they they discovered the lung cancer pretty late in the game, um, which is sometimes a blessing in disguise when you're when you're up there in age. I was just, it's always a bummer. You're getting to that. I'm, we're getting to that point when a lot of these guys from that era are, are in their 70s. Like think like John Carpenter and, and Dario Argento. They're all in their 70s, so it's just going to start. You know the dominoes are going to start yeah. falling, and it's just, it's sort of a bummer. But this one. This one is is particularly sad because Romero is such a sort of working man's guy, and you know what I mean. There's just something so, something so like warm and hardworking about him. You just look at him and you're like, that guy works in like steel mills. He doesn't direct films. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, and having having met him uh, three times actually, I mean, he's just the nicest dude. Like, he was just the nicest, most pleasant guy. He wanted to know everybody's names. He was just he was just a cool dude. Always giving hugs. Um, he's tall. Paul, like you wouldn't believe, he doesn't seem like he's probably your height, Steve. Maybe even a little bit taller. He's, he seems very 
tiny because he's always sort of hunched over, but he's a tall guy. Like, I remember the first time I saw him, it was like, Jesus Christ, this guy's <laughs> massive. Like, he's actually sort of imposing until you meet him, and then he was just just the nicest, uh, sweetest guy. And like you sort of alluded to, he sort of left behind a uh, not a huge filmography, but I think a pretty expansive one for the um, for the horror universe at least, uh, particularly right. the dead the dead series and and amongst other things. Um, so yeah, it's just sad to see him go. Hopeful that they'll um, still keep trudging along on the the last dead film he had written. He wasn't directing it, but um, they are making. They were in the process of making mm-hmm. a new one. Um, Which uh, what was it? What was it's it? Called Road, Road of the Dead. Hmm. Road of the Dead. I think it's. I think it's a little bit of his his um, car car race type obsession that he was sort of played around with with the movie Night Riders, <laughs> about knights on motorcycles jousting and such. <laughs> And zombies, so it's, it's, no, so it, is, yeah. it is a it is a continuation. Um, he's not directing it, like I said. He's, he just did the writing. So okay. I hope that they'll they'll continue to make it sort of in honor of him. It would be fantastic because I don't know why, but I feel like him and George Miller are obviously friends. It just seems like it should be a thing, and George Miller just took over. <laughs> the Georges, the Georges, the yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised at least that, that their paths had crossed at some point. Yeah, so it was just a, it was a bummer. I mean, he, he lived a a lengthy life for the most part it just was just sad sad to see anybody go like that particularly someone who's who's given so much to the horror community i think yeah he uh he he birthed a a subgenre of the horror yeah. film and gave us all the uh, without him fans you wouldn't have the walking dead yeah, yeah for better or worse he for, gave better, us for better or worse you know. <laughs> absolutely, uh, absolutely yeah i find it interesting when famous people die it affects me in a different way but somehow no less potent way than when a close friend or family member dies it's just Mm. i miss my i would miss my family terribly and it is a great personal sadness but there is some something of the world that is more globally lost when you lose somebody like romero or Mm. the other folk who the other guy who died the same night, actually, I believe, yeah. uh, Martin Landau, Academy Award winner Martin Landau for his wonderful, wonderful turn in the movie Ed Wood. Uh, that was uh, he was in his nineties now. Um, so again, it's one of those. It's not to be un, it's not unexpected, but it still hurts when it does. You mm-hmm. know, they they gave something that will presumably live forever in film. Their performances are eternal as it as it were mm-hmm. and now they won't ever give a give another one but we will still always have the films and the work that they have produced for us it's very very sad yeah. um however we're not here to discuss sad things we're here to dis- discuss well you know serious things and that serious <laughs> thing this week is the 1971 best picture award winner the french connection directed by william friedking Starring Gene Hackman, Roy Scheider, and the great and underutilized Fernando Rey. Mm. Uh, Matt, what is your experience with this movie? Oh, it's funny. I was I was just thinking about that. Well, not just. Maybe like an hour ago. Because I know you always ask this question. So I'm always trying to either remember exactly what it is or come up with an incredible lie. This is an actual <laughs> memory. This is an actual memory, people. Um, I remember. I, I think it was. See, now I'm already unsure. I believe it was. Um, I think AFI did the 100 greatest films. It was a. It was a. TV special they did. It was probably twenty, not about twenty years, maybe maybe twelve to fifteen years ago, and it was just like a three-hour um, showcase where they just went through 
you know, number 100 to number one greatest films of all time. And they would show some clips. They had some interviews, maybe, you know, 10 minutes or so on each film. Um, maybe not even. And I just remember, like, feverishly writing down every film <laughs> I wanted to see on that list because I was young at the time. And one of the films was The French Connection. And I just remember seeing the cars and just, just I, I recognized Roy Scheider from Jaws, which was a favorite of mine. And I just went like, I got to see this. And I think I got it at, I did get it at the library on VHS. And I think I was, it was one of the first ones I saw um, on that, that list that I had made because my father was familiar with the film and he really liked it. Um, so we watched it together as, as some of my stories end up. Um, and yeah, that was years ago and it still, still sticks with me. Hmm. It does seem like it's a very dad movie. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. cops. It's, 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 it's crime. Guy. It's cars. It's 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 got all the it's got all the hallmarks of a yes. very dad film. Yeah. So, Dad, if you're listening out there, uh, you never showed us this one. In fact, I have never seen this movie before watching it for this show. And I must say that was a I feel diminished for that because I'd heard about it so much. You hear yeah. about some of the great car chases and car movies. You think of Bullet. And this one usually comes right after because they were made around the same time. And um, yeah, I, as with all of these films, regardless of how I feel about them, I am glad to have watched them. Even something like Oliver, which I hate. I hate that movie so much. <laughs> but, um, you know, I would, gl- I would gladly watch this with my father on the big screen because I, it, it, it does have that, that very macho, that guy... Thing. It's like we're not we're not going to talk about our feelings. Oh no 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 no! We're gonna we're gonna try and solve some crimes and uh, and go along uh, go go in on this obsessive sort of rampage. Yep. To uh, to get to the truth. And when we return, we will discuss the French Connection and its Academy Award Hall that year. So do stick around, folks. The five films nominated tonight take us from a vision of the future to a village in Russia, to one street in Texas, to many streets in New York, and to the court of the czars. Who then can say that films do not have a broad spectrum in subject matter, philosophy, point of view? That is the measure of the vitality of the movies and equally a measure of their potentiality. The films nominated are a Clockwork Orange, a Hawks Film Limited production, Warner Brothers, Stanley Kubrick producer. Fiddler on the Roof, Mirish Cartier Productions, United Artist, Norman Jewison producer. The French Connection, D'Antoni Productions, 20th Century Fox, Philip D'Antoni producer. Uh, the Last Picture Show, BBS Productions, Columbia, Stephen J. Friedman producer. Nicholas. And Alexandra, a Horizon Picture Productions, Columbia, Sam Spiegel, producer. May I have the envelope, please? Thank you. The winner is the French Connection, Philip D'Antonio, producer. It's uh, obviously a great honor uh, to think that the uh, French Connection will uh, rank with all the pictures uh, that have come to uh, 
this particular place in the history of the Oscars. On behalf of uh, Billy Freakin, I want to personally uh, thank all the members of our cast and crew, 20th Century Fox, and of course the Academy. It's the French Connection won Best Picture at the 1971 Academy Awards, but it also picked up four other for a total of five. Matt, what else did it get that year? It also picked up uh, Best Actor for Gene Hackman, Mr. Gene Hackman. He is, uh, he is a Mr. Gene. He is, he is Mr. Yeah, he's a Mr. He's not like, yeah, he's not Gene Hackman. Because yeah. Gene is demure for him. I feel like it's got Mr. Gene James Hackman. <laughs> I don't think his middle name is James. I just yeah. feel like that's how he should be referred to from it should now be, yeah, Which is, I believe, the first of two he picked up in his career. He also won Best Supporting for Unforgiven. Which, oh, yes, he did. Yes. Fantastic role, too. And I've, I have inadvertently met Gene Hackman in Santa Fe, New Mexico, because he has, it's bizarre, at least at the time, this was like maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, I know, you're shaking your head. I am, I am. He, he married a uh, Vietnamese woman, or at least at the time was married to a Vietnamese woman, and they opened a restaurant. I think it was a chain, but there was a particular one in Santa Fe, and my cousin worked there. And I was just sitting there with my mother, and we were eating, and I go, I think that's freaking Gene Hackman sitting over there. And my cousin's like, yeah. He owns the place. He's here, like doing the books. He was like doing the books, um, and then he he uh, went over to talk to him and said his family was here, and he came over and, and sat with us for. About oh my god! Minutes. Wow! And I was ter- I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified. He was going to completely dress me down, and uh, he didn't. So he was very nice, but uh, yeah, I did, I brief- yeah, that was a strange. It was a strange situation. Situation, Steve. <laughs> Just have the straight, you have the, the the strangest stories, sir. The strangest stories. Other side of the family, they're all insane. That's just how it, <laughs> okay. they always, they get themselves into these situations. I, yeah. I don't know. Have you by chance met William Friedkin, who won, <laughs> who won the director? I, I literally I carry a revolver around with me just in case I meet William Friedkin and I, and I just want to wing him. I'm not going to kill him. I just want to wing him because I'm so scared of him. I've, I've seen him in interviews with his freaking smoked glasses on all the time, and he's always yelling at people. I'm really scared of that man. I, 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 mean, I respect him very much, but I'm really scared of him. <laughs> this idea of me carrying a revolver around just for William Friedkin. <laughs> this bullet was meant for another armed robber. I can't shoot you with it. Uh, Okay. Uh, yeah, so best director is William Friedkin, obviously, is who we were alluding to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have fun. We do. We do. What else? Come on. Keep going. Keep going. Stop. No, st- don't drink water. Don't. Thirsty. <laughs> um, tell me what to do. Uh, best writing, uh, which was, I think, screenplay based on material from another medium. Did I get that all? Yes. Did we, 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 you can just shorten it and say best adapted screenplay, but yeah. yeah. Based on a book, which is based on the life of some cop who is yeah. sort of Eddie, like Popeye Doyle. Eddie Egan, Eddie Egan, I think is the guy's name. Eddie Egan, yeah. Who plays the, he plays the chief in the movie. Yeah. And is the chief, yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah, always, I always, always like those little real-life, you know, Oh, there's outs. a couple of them in this one, yeah. So, And that was, I think, Ernest, it was his name, Ernest Tidy Man. <laughs> or it's Tidy, it's Tidy Man. I actually have read the book. It's not good. No. Not, and that's one thing William Friedkin and I apparently agree on, that we both hate that book. He really hates the book. <laughs> um, but, of course, he adapted it because he's like, I can make a car chase movie. Screw yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. And then he does. And then I think the last one was editing. Yep. I'm mistaken. Gerald Greenberg, I believe was his mm-hmm. name. Gerald and Greenberg. a very well-deserved editing yes. win there. Hell it's, yes. Uh, 
This movie is I can't I can't think of a scene I would take out. It's just it's cut mm. together extremely well. Even when it feels like it's going slow, it's moving very fast. Yeah, it's, it's snappy, real snappy. It's it's, it's great. Uh, it was also nominated for three others: best supporting actor Roy Scheider, mm. obviously Buddy Russo. Best cinematography, can't argue with that. They did a lot of great practical in-camera work for this one. And best sound, again, no compl- no complaints there for nominations. Wish they could have won. Sadly, they did not. Uh, some notable things that happened at the Oscars that year before we get to the competition. This was the year of Shaft, and it did win Best Song by Isaac Hayes. And I always, you know, the great Cloris Leachman finally won a Supporting Actress Oscar. Yay! Yay, yay! yay. But anyways, French Connection did have to drive through four other substantial nominees to secure the top prize. And what were those nominees? Because, man, (laughs) this is a great list. Yeah, so one of them I hate. Uh, maybe Maybe you can guess it. Two of them I love. And one I think I've only seen parts of. Okay. Um, I well, you're very anti-Semitic, so I'm going to say you hate Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> I'm not anti-Semitic, I'm anti-musical. <laughs> but yes, Fiddler on the Roof is the one I absolutely cannot stand. <laughs> I hate that movie so much. It's so long. It's so long. It's a long movie. It's a very uh, long movie. Yeah, hate that movie. Okay. Um, one so in two of them you love, and one of them you've only seen. Um, yeah, two I love. Yeah. To the okay, the one of the ones you love, Last Picture Show. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, the other one you've barely seen, Nicholas and Alexandra. Correct. And the other one that we all, all so, so very much love, Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. Yes, nailed Got it. Come on, we're friends. We are best friends. Best friends. Best friends. We do a show together. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that is quite a list. Uh, it is. I've never seen Nicholas and Alexandra uh, here. It's um, quite fabulous. You know, know, expansive costume drama about the last SARS of Russia before the revolution. Last picture show, Peter Bogdanovich. uh, That's a movie that'll just kick you and then just keep kicking you. It's a, uh, one of those great works of um, middle America sort of depression. Is that the the word for it? It's beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. Yeah. I also keep a revolver for Peter Bogdanovich as well, just because he's also. He's what also, if I think you it's shoot like, him with the wrong revolver? Do you... I think they're all New Yorkers. Oh no, they're marked. They're marked. Don't worry. Okay. One says PB. One says WF. <laughs> do you carry? Do you carry them with you at all times on the oh, off chance? I have them at all times. They're, okay. they're not on me. I could pretend to show you them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and of course, A Clockwork Orange, um, just one of those movies that. Uh, I never, you know what? I feel uncomfortable watching it. I've seen it twice now, and it just, it's, I know what's happening, and it just is so very well made, but so, it's a movie I need a shower afterwards. Yeah, it's unpleasant. It's it's uh, it's unpleasant. It's very good, and I think it would still hold up. I haven't seen it in maybe 10 years now, but it's one of those movies that I, I feel like is sort of timeless in that respect of, um, human nature and mm-hmm. morality and all that. And it's a Kubrick film. And they age spectacularly well. They're like one, mm-hmm. even Barry Lyndon and stuff like that. Just mm-hmm. Amazing movies. Some 40 years later, it's uh, quite incredible. Um, so to go through that competition is 
quite a feat and bravo to the French connection and William Friedkin for, for doing that. Cause I, uh, I'm l- just looking at this list. It's very hard to choose. There are, you have three very solid films. I like Fiddler on the Roof. You're right. It is long. You uh, would. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am obligated to say that my parents are both now uh, have converted to Judaism. So shout out to mom and dad. Laheim. But, um, which is not to say that 1971 wasn't a pretty good year in, um, it's a dark, depressing '70s cinema. <laughs> yeah, the '70s are so good for that. The '70s, I just, I that sounds like a decade. I, I, I don't know if I would have liked it going through it. it everything just awful happened, but yeah. man, they made some really good stuff. Starting with, we'll say Straw Dogs. Who doesn't oh, yeah. love Straw Dogs? That, that's just a, a light-hearted romp. It's a, it's a great family film. Yeah, it really you know, is. Just bring everybody. Just yep. bring every. It's don't. It's don't. Don't bring your family to yeah, that movie, don't. folks. Please don't. <laughs> uh, you. This. We were introduced. We had two um, dark Clint Eastwood films this year. Yeah. We had Dirty Harry, yeah. the great Dirty Harry, the first of four films, and also um, what we call it? No, the Beguiled. Wait, was Play Misty for me also? Yeah, oh, I think so. Jeez, yeah, three. We had the Beguiled, which was uh, recently remade by Sofia Coppola, and is getting lots of buzz and also lots of critical backlash because the internet is a terrible place. It is terrible. Yeah, but um, the Cave of Mrs. Miller, a movie that I should like more, except I really don't like Warren Beatty. Man, I, yeah. I, I just can't. I can't do it. I, it's, it's fabulous. It's a fa- it's fabulous filmmaking. I just don't like Warren. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't like Warren Beatty. Harold and Maud, yeah. Diamonds Are Forever, the aforementioned Shaft. Gotta love Shaft. You have both the Omega Man and the Andromeda Strain, which, uh, you know, 70s sci-fi. Gonna depress yeah, of depressing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we had the debut features for two of the... They call them the Brat Pack of filmmakers. The, the new, we had THX 1138 from George Lucas... And we had Duel, which I'm pretty sure was the debut film from the one and only Steven Spielberg. About yeah, it was the, made, uh, made for TV. Made, for made, TV. made, oh, made for TV. But, but I think what? they actually might have released it theatrically at some point. It's a great movie, it's, uh, regardless. But it it shows it shows a lot of chops, and it's a great. Yes, yes it does. Yeah. Just, I love that truck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's horrifying. 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 And but you know I you know I watched it and I go. Yeah, I can see. I can see some jaws. I can see why why they gave him jaws. Definitely, just absolutely, absolutely that. Um, if you've uh, have you seen the Big Sick yet? I have not. No. Okay. So well, yeah. Well, they they do mention this next film, the Abominable Doctor Fibes. It is oh. it is dropped in there. It's uh not wow. not exactly a plot point, but it's a it's a character moment. It's like the but, movie that inspired Saw, basically. Ah, I, okay. I well, there you go. There you go. Uh, one of my one of my one of my other favorite car movies, Vanishing Point. That's, oh yeah, that's cool. great fucking movie. Weird fucking movie, man. It's weird. It's so weird, but it's it is great and helped inspire the second half of Grindhouse. Yes, they, they were talking about this is the car from Vanishing Point, and we're gonna drive on top of it because I'm Tarantino and I can do whatever I want. Yep, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Why so, not? Yeah. So 1971. It's a pretty good year in movies, but there's one film that stands atop them all, and that is The French Connection. And when we are going to take a short break, and when we return, we are going to get right into our review William Friedkin's 1971 masterpiece. 
so do stick around. Matt, for those who have not seen The French Connection, what is the IMDb synopsis of this movie? I'm glad you asked, Steve. Uh, it says here, <laughs> a pair of New York City cops, just say New York, in the Narcotics Bureau stumble onto a drug smuggling job with a French connection. I don't know why I did air quotes. But <laughs> I, yeah, nobody, nobody can see that. Also, obviously, they're New York, New York cops. We don't need to... It's, that's an archer. It's an archer thing. It's a, oh, it's an archer thing. Yes, yeah, okay. A, I meant to New York City, just say New York. <laughs> <laughs> happens a bunch of times. Yes. Which, um, I, you know what? I like that word stumble. I like the word stumble onto a drug smuggling job because when I saw this happening in the movie, I was like, really? We just spent the last half hour establishing all this and you're just going to stumble onto something for a hunch? And to the film's credit, I have to have to say they do make me believe that Doyle has a knack for this sort of thing. In fact, yeah. in fact, they reference some past hunches that may that had that got another cop killed, for instance. I which this movie gets docked for maybe not having a lot of character to it. You know, it's Doyle is basically you know, Popeye Doyle, played by Gene Hackman, is basically Popeye Doyle throughout. He's this basically this dog who's been let off his chain and he's just going for it but there's there there are some great hackman really helps sell the uh the humanity and sympathy of, of this character more than i think he deserves because for the first 20 minutes when they are chasing down leads and they are trying they are stumbling onto this crime scene i was thinking oh my god we could never re- we could never ever make this movie marchetti would not be able to show this movie in high school or else they would the kids would stage a protest mm. he'd have to s- issue some trigger warnings about all the terrible name calling safe the, spaces the safe spaces it's a movie that is very it has not aged well necessarily just because of the changing culture but it is a great snapshot of the time period in which it was made, which was 1970, 
urban America, New York City. It's a shithole. Nobody wants to live there. It's the the era of you know white of white flight, and it's every we are we are abandoning the cities for the suburbs, and it is a great portrayal of that. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of I sort of lost the uh, lost my train of thought with Popeye Doyle. He is an excellent pro- stand-in for basically what the city is, and for mm-hmm. the for the for the guys at that time, they're mean. They tell it like it is, as it were, and use a lot of slang, and will go to the ends of the earth to get what they want. And it's uh, it's really he's a, he's a great he's a great character. I just really I just at times I don't think I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. So the film opens with uh, this great following sequence that is never fully explained. Uh, this this one uh, this one person this one guy we assume is a law enforcement officer is following um, Fernando Ray. Ray's character, associates of his, and it's through the streets of Marseille, and it's you just know something bad is going to happen, but it is edited so well, and Friedkin is such um, he has a great use for location and um, knowing when to cut where mm-hmm. uh, that it's it's astounding, and it it takes a while for for that to for that to come back around, and you never again you never quite learn, but it's it's all it's all connected, but it sets up the film. And I love it because this movie is one big, uh, one big chase movie. And I have been monopolizing the conversation. What are your <laughs> thoughts on on the on the on we'll say the uh, the pace of the film? Oh, it's I mean, so a lot of times when I'm watching it, I'm sure with with you it's the same. When watching an older movie, I think one of the things you typically notice is that they're they're slower paced, they're more deliberate, they're more character driven, which is which is a great thing, but it's a it's sort of a, a shift from newer films, which are very fast paced in some ways, even though they sometimes they're incredibly fast paced, but they give you nothing of substance to hold on to. Yeah. Um but this movie didn't didn't feel like that. I actually watched it with, with my wife, with Steph, and and she um even even she was into it and for and she's not super into older movies she'll watch them but it's got to be something she can get into and she even she commented on how it's it, it is very fast paced the movie just kind of goes and it is really like you said one big chase scene um so i think the the pacing is fantastic and that that opening scene you were alluding to is is such a great like 70s scene i feel like there's so many scenes like that like openings of movies where you're just like it's almost like a spy film like the beginning of a spy film and you you sort of um, are dropped right into this world. I was talking to her about this. You're sort of just thrown in, and you have to catch up. And I think that's brilliant when you do it well. Uh, if you do it poorly, the movie you screwed the movie. You're, you're over. But if you do it well, and you can kind of catch people up as they go, or assume people are going to catch up, um, it, it works brilliantly. And I think here it does work brilliantly. Yeah. And nor is it the only time they they do something like this. They do a, a following sort of tailing sequence like most of the film for all the talk of the chase scene which we'll get to the car chase scene it's doyle kind of just staking out a bunch of different people and in mm-hmm. items there's this one the 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 absolute my favorite scene even more than the car chase scene was when he's tailing um fernando ray he's he's <laughs> fanning uh charnier charnier through yeah. the streets of manhattan they're going all over and charnier is on to him and he's He's losing him, and Doyle is, catch, is, is catching him again. It's this excellent game of of cat and mouse. Mm-hmm. They get on the subway, they get off the subway, it, and they just mirror each other. It's fantastic. I was on the edge of my seat. I'm like, who's gonna like? 
I feel like he has to get away, but like, how is he gonna get away? How's this he gonna is, say? Yes. Uh, so for a film to do that, especially an, especially an older film, when I think maybe just the technology itself kind of limits you to how fast you can do something, you can shoot something, you can move the camera. Like we still don't have Steadicam at this point. So like when you're down in the subway, like it's tough to move around and and, and get things and get things right, but they do it. Yeah, uh, I just, I was just so in love with that scene, and it's the movie's two hours, and it just it just flies by completely. It's um it's great. Um, the Roger Ebert, who's one of the greatest film critics of all time, we all we all know that. Uh, the the line I like from his review of this is: the movie is all surface movement, violence, and suspense. Only one of the characters really emerges into three dimensions, Popeye Doyle, Gene Hackman, a New York narc who is vicious, obsessed, and a little mad. The other characters don't emerge because there's no time for them to emerge. Things mm-hmm. are happening too fast. And I love the idea of it just happening so fast. And it's a chase movie without... It's You know what? It's like the scene in Baby Driver. It's like the scene in Baby Driver when Baby is... You know, spoiler alert, he's ru- he's running away from the cops. He's not driving mm-hmm. away from the cops, but it is shot like it is a car chase. Like mm-hmm. he's starting, he's stopping, he's weaving, he's backing up, he's he's doing he's doing all the all the hallmarks of what he one would be one would think would happen in a car, but it's mm-hmm. he's it's just him it's just him running. And the great thing about the French connection is that Nobody's ever really running. No, in <laughs> not at all. Yeah, it's a lot of like Hackman. He stands outside a restaurant while two marks enjoy. I think what I think has to be at least a five course meal. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. And he's he's eating pizza. Eating crappy coffee or something. It's, it's terrible and terrible coffee. It's freezing out. The attention to detail when he's like he's just stomping his feet. He's trying to stay warm. It's those little things that help sell the world and help sell the character, and also it really does help establish Friedkin as one of the like the best directors in the visual language of cinema and how to and how to propel a story forward without ever having to really say much. Mm-hmm. Not a lot is said in the movie, mm-hmm. which is fine by me. It's all visual. It's all flash, and you have uh, Hackman and you have Friedkin to really thank for for everything. I feel like that's a, and we. I'm just thinking of another movie because I were thinking about Hackman and, and the era. But there's there's a film from, which is a couple years before 1969, I think, called um, Downhill Racer with Hackman and uh, Robert Redford. Where he plays a, a skier, Robert Redford, and mm-hmm. um, Gene Hackman's the a coach, sort of the. I don't know if he's, he's if it's his coach or, or what. I haven't seen it in a while. It's 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 a fabulous movie, but it's the same thing. There's very little in the way of dialogue. Robert Redford does not have a ton of lines, and he, he he has to sort of communicate through body language. And then the skiing sequences are also sort of just like, they're like, you know, visual poetry. Like, and a lot, like a lot of this movie is you have to just sort of follow it, and you have to understand sort of the language of cinema. Um, and I wonder, this is just an era when sort of the French New Wave is really spilling into the U.S., the late 60s into the 70s, and I think they're really into trying out new things and, and new sort of visual cues. And I, I, I just, I, that's why I think like the late sixties into the mid seventies or maybe in the late seventies are just a fantastic era for, for us film because we're sort of like scrappy, like <laughs> crazies at this point. And I just, I think it's such a fun era. So yeah. would you say the French might be connecting uh, with American filmmakers? Uh, yeah. yeah. 
There is no, you're actually right. There, there is a touch of the French New Wave. The studio system has almost entirely collapsed at this point, and so the early age of the indie guys, mm-hmm. the Friedkins, the Spielbergs, the Lucases, they are starting to emerge in the '70s when technology is improving, and they can, you know, they they're no longer beholden to like the star system, the celebrity mm-hmm. system. They can just go out and make these vicious, wicked little movies. And they will find a big audience. Without the French connection, I don't think you have a lot of the great crime films of the seventies. Like I like I don't th- like I don't know if you if Scorsese would be Scorsese without a film like The French Connection to really help guide him along with like the gr- mm. with showing the gritty New York festering garbage filled streets. Which it is not like that anymore, folks. Let me just let me just point out that you know, say what you will about Giuliani, it's so much nicer these days. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned uh, the independence because we were just talking about the the sort of tragedy of, of George Romero's passing, and um, there's kind of an interesting through line in uh, horror-ish film, um, independent films like out of the studio system. So just 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 a, a brief digression, but it does actually connect to the French Connection. Um, specifically or explicitly so 1958 um the blob is made the movie the blob it is it's a it's a it's a kind of classic 50s monster movie but made completely out of the studio system it does very well didn't cost a lot of money and it was an independent 1962 comes along same thing with carnival of souls another really independent horror film that that's yeah really i love really influences yeah it's a great movie it's it's very it's actually still very scary uh today and then we had uh 68 right with night of the living dead George Romero, um, and again he made it without really any Hollywood help. Made it in Philadelphia, um, and it showed a lot of these younger filmmakers that they could sort of make films. And if you watch interviews with William Friedkin, which I advise against because his sights can turn you to stone, he references in early interviews in the '70s *Night of the Living Dead* as an influence and in sort of making sort of ballsier films. Um, so there's an interesting through line to the French Connection right from *Night of the Living Dead*, and even back to the '50s. So. Bam. And Research. There, there you have it. That's why I keep them around. <laughs> and my looks. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, well, we can't talk about the French connection without talking about that chase scene. Mm. Um, in it, for those you don't know, Doyle commandeers a car to outrun a goddamn train. He's basically <laughs> trying to... He's a, a sniper is escaping on the train he's got on on one station and Doyle's trying to get to the next station before before the sniper does and um it is one of the one of those things that in film in film circles in film corners is talked about as one of the great car chase scenes in uh in film history just for the sheer ballsiness of it mm. uh, i believe i like i heard a rumor and I, it is not true that they just didn't bother closing down the streets, and so they just started just running through, uh, running through Brooklyn. I believe, yeah. I believe, it was Brooklyn when they still had a lot of the more of the L train, the elevated trains here. Uh, but it's not that; it's just very well done. They, uh, the cinematography nom- nomination that it got, I think, was specifically for this scene where they basically strapped a camera very low to the front of the car and just mm-hmm. uh, front of the uh, the uh, the car, the rig car. Following the uh, following the driver, and I have to say, ah, uh, it still holds up. 
Yeah. One even on like on the big screen, I would be floored by this. What did you, what did, what do you think of it? Some forty five years later. Yeah, I'm a big, 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 big car chase guy. I, I just I'm not even I'm not a big car guy. I mean, I like muscle cars and things like that, like most red-blooded um, American men. Um, but I love car chases so much. So your your comment about the um, sort of just shooting it, you know, without any sort of restriction is is like half true. I actually. Uh, and this is again coming from Friedkin, so he he does tell some stories sometimes. Um, but he said they didn't obtain permits from the city to shoot the film, but he did hire police officers to block off areas for them, which was doubly illegal because he didn't get permits. And then he hired with Hollywood money police officers, which I'm sure is not legal in any way, shape, or form. Um, so there was some structure, but it was a little chaotic. I think one of the car crashes. I don't know if it's rumored or if it's actually true, but one of the guys, the story goes, one of the, the guys that Doyle hits with his car actually was just coming out into the street and, they, and the driver actually hit this guy. He was okay. And then the, I think the, the someone from the crew went to his house afterwards and they, they you know, they got, they fixed his car up or gave him some money or something like that. But <laughs> either way, if, if a film is supposed to sort of transport you somewhere and make you feel like you're in the midst of something, Real or not real, permits or no permits, police or no police, this movie feels like you're there. I, I feel like I'm there. I feel like I'm in it. I feel like it's dangerous. It looks dangerous. It was dangerous. Um, Gene Hackman does a lot of his own driving in some of the shots. There is a stunt driver for a lot of the crazy stuff, as you'd imagine. But mm-hmm. it, the second he, he sort of hits, the, actually, the second the guy starts shooting at him, I know it's coming because I've seen the movie before, but the second he gets in that car and you hear the engine going, I mean, I, there's nothing I can do. I'm just sort of like... I return to this like primal state where I start pounding my chest and and you know me, Steve, I'm not a manly man, really. Like I'm just sort of like, I like certain things and I'm I'm pretty sensitive about most things. (laughs) When you get a car going and that engine goes, I, I'm transported. (laughs) I'm transported. (laughs) I think, I think it still holds up. I think it's, it's a beautiful scene. I think it's, it's, it's tense. It's exciting. Uh, It looks dangerous. It's just fucking awesome. Yeah. There is a visceral quality to a car to a good car chase scene that in this day and age like i love i love fate of the furious don't get me wrong i fucking love that movie but it's so absurd it's so ridiculous and it's also a lot of cgi cars Mm -hmm. happening that there's something so satisfying about the grounded reality of the french connection of just it's and it's not it's not even a car chase in that he's chasing after another car and they gotta like jockey for position back he's chasing a fucking train mm-hmm. above <laughs> him <laughs> Ab- like above him it's yeah it's and it's so well cut together and you feel such a thrill in the minute as he's you know barely dodging traffic or in some cases as you say he just doesn't dodge traffic at all and he just mm-hmm. crashes this dude's car right into uh another car or into a wall it's it it makes it makes you feel it it mm-hmm. makes you feel it your heart is in your throat and uh i gotta say like there are after this film i'm there's so many imitators there's so many car movies that are coming after this the last 40 years we've seen this film happen over and over and over again and i gotta say it's this this one sequence still really holds up they say in you know uh, when old host um, Alex and I we discuss Ben Hur. 
we said that it's basically the movie's basically the chariot scene, and mm-hmm. who cares about the rest? Uh, you can make that claim for the French connection, but I think you'd be doing a disservice to the rest of the movie and the plot yeah. and uh, the character of Doyle himself uh, to bring you to all of these amazing set pieces, uh, whether they have a car or not, or whether it's just Doyle following uh, various folks. It's all it's all a chase scene. It's all mm-hmm. one big, you know, forward momentum of rising action, falling action, crashing, denouement, pausing ever so briefly, and then just revving revving the engines again. Mm-hmm. That, um, and what and what also I love is that after this, Friedkin he go on to direct The Exorcist, which <laughs> another another great movie. But then the year later, he was like, you know what, I want to make another car movie. But it's not going to be a chase movie. It's going to be the movie Sorcerer, yeah, which is uh, has nothing to do with wizards. It's it's two. It's a guy transporting nitroglycerin through what was it winter to just like awful conditions. And yeah, South summer South America like a jungle. Yeah, oh, it's jungle. It's, yeah, yeah. It's oof. and it's and it's it's a car movie. It's he's, yeah. he's in a truck, but. Oh man, it is slow, and just at any moment he's gonna blow up, and it's uh, it's really great, and you should really check it out. And I think it's based off of an, off of another movie that yeah, Wages of, Fear. Wages, Wages of Fear. Fear, Wages of Fear, Wages of Fear. That's right. Uh, so yes, the if you have to see the French Connection car chase scene uh, outside of the rest of the film, it might not make a lot of sense, but you should definitely check it out. It seems like one of those scenes that. Like Marquette, if you wanted to say like how you put together a an effective action sequence in a class, you could show this one and go through it like frame by frame or second by second, and yeah. have it be uh, have it be a great learning lesson for all the kids. Um. Okay. What did you make of the ending of the movie? So. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'd, this is probably this is probably just the second time I I had seen it, but uh, this is the first time Steph had seen it, and she sometimes will not. You know, certain people won't like sort of ambiguous endings. Um, they can be frustrating for viewers, and I and I, I, I think I think that that's accurate. Um, but there's something there's something really I don't know appropriate about it. This this sort of gritty like lived in world where things aren't fair and things don't work out like we want them to that the sort of the villain is able to get away um at least in the french connection first film there is a sequel so the villain is able to get away in this sort of ambiguous and sort of like uh like film reel type ending where it's almost like a like a mockumentary style where they tell you what happened to everybody um to me the the ending of the film isn't isn't um, Fernando Ray's character getting away. It's Gene Hackman shooting the other guy, uh, Molderig, I think is his name, yeah. and and Roy Scheider just being like, "You shot Molderig," and he just reloads his pistol and says, "He's still here." Like to me, that's it. Like I know, regardless of whether he catches him in this film, he's gonna catch him or he's gonna die trying. So to me, like I already sort of know that he's at a point where he's not going to be able to stop himself even. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I think it works really well. I tend to like ambiguous endings because I like to leave a film sort of thinking about it and like wondering some things. And I, I think this is ambiguous in a sense, but it's not like it's not like the movie The Grey with Liam Neeson where you don't, you're, you're sort of like, come on, 
fight the wolves. Um, it, it's sort of more satisfying than that in a way I can't articulate, I guess, other than uh, how I've been trying to. <laughs> no, I, by the way, I love the ending to the gray. I think I, I it's, it's it's fantastic. I don't think this the ending is ambiguous. I just think it is like the the word you use. It's just so unfair. Mm-hmm. It's it's unfair to the viewer. It's unfair to our sense of morality. Mm-hmm. And I do I do think had the movie ended more traditionally with him catching Fernando Ray's character and like even being acquitted of shooting Mulderig, that it would not have won Best Picture. Mm. But the way it is, the way it ends now is so very and bleak, but also <laughs> true. Like the guy who was basically the patsy the um the french actor he's the one who does the most time out of all of them yeah like that's some (laughs) bullshit right there (laughs) that that is uh that sucks um but that also feels like life and and what happens to what happens to doyle and and russo they get they get transferred out of out of narcotics because man you don't want you don't want those two dogs running off off the leash anymore because They've they've gotten now that they've gotten two cops killed, they weren't able to bring in the the mastermind of this of this drug deal, and it's it's a wash. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's bad for the department. It's it's bad it's bad for everybody, and it makes you go out and go as you as you leave the theater, you you know, you turn the movie off. Like, well, so what was all of that obsession for? It's like watching uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and they have, everyone dies at the end, and like and the gold just flies away in the dust. You're like. Well, shit. None of it mm-hmm. mattered. It's uh, it's a very uh, spoiler alert for Treasure of Sierra Madre. It's a very 1970s ending yes. when we weren't. It. We had just come close to killing, blowing ourselves up in the uh, missile crisis. Every, Vietnam is raging. We're wondering what the hell is going on. So, fuck it. Why not? We're just gonna go. We're, right. We're gonna go crazy and we're gonna try stuff and it doesn't work out. And well, that's it. Then. Screw it. Why bother trying? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um have you seen the sequel? The French Connection 2? I have, yeah. How how is it? <laughs> it's like um French Connection like really, really well done French Connection fan fiction sort of. Like um it's it's very exciting, it's very action packed. Um it is makes absolutely no sense that they would that Doyle would get sent to France. Like, and it, you, the whole movie is just like, kind of like a fish out of water. Now imagine the Doyle from this movie, like talking to Parisians. And, oh, oh Jesus. He's calling, right. them, all, he's yeah, calling exactly. them all frogs. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's some really exciting sequences that, you know, John Frankenheimer is the director. So, you know, oh. he, he knows what he's doing with action films. So it, there's definitely worse people you could have got to direct it, but it felt just like they were trying to just, you know, sort of bring that back um it doesn't sour the first film in any way okay but it, it does feel a lot slighter as a result. Right. if you want to see how good the french connection is watch the french connection too and it's like wow <laughs> i mean you, you could watch just the french connection by itself and it's a fantastic film but if you want to see how really like subtle and um articulate it is as a film um just watch the second one <laughs> which is like a bulldozer smashing through the screen wow <laughs> but you should watch it Okay, I will. I will add that to the very, very, very long list of things I need to watch. I'm all. Yes. I'm always curious to see sequels to films that won Best Picture because it's. It doesn't. Ha- it rarely happens. 
I mean, you have like The Godfather and, and Lord of the Rings, but like a, a film like this, you're like, really? They made a sequel to the movie that won Best Picture? That seems weird. It is. Okay, okay. sure. Why not? So we come to it at last. Matt Marchetti, did the French Connection deserve Best Picture? So I, uh, <laughs> I sort of was a hard yes as I was watching it. And then I started to think a little bit more back to, I think it's still a, a yes, but I, I, I have a feeling that if I was to watch um, the French connection and, and for me, the last picture show back to back, um, I might, I might disagree with myself in this moment, just, but just for sheer sort of like balls to the wall intensity while still telling a good story, um, exciting story, something that felt sort of, fresh and new and then for its sort of legacy I, i'm gonna give it a, a slightly hesitant yes but <laughs> i need to i need to review the last picture show to, to really give you an official answer okay but, but yes but yes yeah sure. i am of the similar boat not because french connection isn't a very great movie it is but for the last 45 46 years we have been seeing the French Connection. I just saw the movie Triple Nine, uh, which was yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It didn't really do it, excite me in any ways. But it's like a gritty cop drama uh, with some great car chases, explosions, violence, and you know hard characters being hard. And it, we just have so many imitators that it's hard to see the real. You have to re- think hard to remember what a punch to the face the french connection was so to speak mm-hmm. uh in terms of like visual storytelling and how you portray you know police officers and uh, and you know, just storytelling and showing new york and you know framing a chase scene that you know this was an originator for a lot of a lot of stuff that came after it but we've just been so used to the stuff that came after it that it's hard to appreciate all mm. the new things. So I mean, now we're like, oh, well, that's you know, I've seen this before. It's like, well, they didn't back then, nineteen seventy-one. Right. <laughs> this was fucking great. That Jason yeah. was great. Um, so ah, uh, I mean, for me, Clockwork's a really great movie. I I will say, I will say yes, hesitantly. Maybe we'll come back. Maybe maybe we should talk about the Last Picture Show at another point. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely up for. I'm I'm definitely up for doing that. I'm down. I'm down. Um. So, yes, we're going to say yes, dot, 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 question mark on the French Connection. Deserving best picture after all these years. You have been listening to the Oscar Watch podcast. Thank you so very, very much. Now we come to the part where I get to roll some dice and we get to figure out what movie we are watching next week. Matt, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Have we already done this one? Have we? Have we? We have. Oh, wait. No. If we have, then we go to the... I rolled uh, 61, which was Rain Man, 1988's Best Picture winner. We've already talked about that. So we're going to shift right on over to the foreign language film. Pele the Conqueror. Never seen it. I wonder if we can even find it somewhere. But that is our choice. (laughs) <laughs> for next week i know very odd that's how we do it it's just the way the dice go man just the way the dice go 
Uh, thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, you can write us an email at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com and be sure to find us on social media at oscarwatchpod and like, subscribe, and review on iTunes. It really helps get the word out about this little show we got going on. Matt Marchetti, where can people find you online? People can find me on uh, Instagram at movie underscore matinee with two T's, matinee. Uh, I try to do movie reviews a day, um, just sort of any and everything I'm, I'm watching, other than stuff that we're reviewing here, just because it feels redundant. Um, so I've got Baby Driver coming up. I just did the Harry Potter sort of series. Um, and yeah, that's it, man. All things movie. All things movie. And me. <laughs> and, and pictures of his dogs. And pictures every, of my dogs. Uh, Correct. Every, yes. every now and then. Every now and then. Yeah. They're adorable. You you should subscribe. You come for the movies. Stay for the dogs. Stay for the dogs. <laughs> Definitely. Um, thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, we'll see you on the red carpet. How many times have I been down hearted, looked up and saw him smiling like a shining dime? Yeah, and hoped that he would stay and tell me why he was so happy if he had the time. Oh, I wish there was a way to raise him, catch a flying horse. And-